In the 100-year history of Collier County, only seven men have served as sheriff. Here at the Collier County Sheriff's Office, we're celebrating our centennial anniversary this year by looking back on our past, including our past sheriffs. Today, we're looking at one of these seven men who you might not know that well, but who played an important role in our history. This is Sworn Statement, a podcast by the Collier County Sheriff's Office under the direction of Sheriff Kevin Rambosk. I'm your host, Adam Fisher. In this episode, you'll learn about Roy O. Atkins, who served as sheriff for just three years, but dedicated two decades of his life to our agency in its earliest days. Sheriff Atkins and his wife, Helen, didn't have kids of their own, but we spoke to their nephew who they helped raise, Mr. Don Laycock. Don spent summers with his uncle in Everglades City in the 50s and had many fascinating stories to share about our former sheriff. Here's our conversation. Uh, Uncle Roy, as we called him, and Aunt Helen, uh, his wife, we, um, he was the first of eight kids. My mother was the last of the eight kids. So Uncle Roy, I, in my estimation, looked at her as a, his daughter mm. and, and kind of uh, always took care of her. He was a very giving and, and uh, uh, caring person. So he helped all the members of the family. But uh, so anyway, I was close Mom felt that since they didn't have any children, that it would kind of be nice for me to go down and spend time with them in the summers. Uh, we were going to school in Avon Park, and that's where Uncle Roy's dad uh, lived. Now tell tell us the time frame. Tell us when you started coming down to visit, when you would spend summers yeah, down Yeah, that would have been around in the, I was being nine to ten years old, so that had been uh, 1940 or 1953, okay. 54, 55. And I think the last time I was there was 56. The summers Don spent in Collier County coincided almost exactly with his uncle's tenure as sheriff. Roy Atkins served as sheriff from 1953 to 1956. What was it like just spending the summers with him, spending it down in Everglades City, which was the capital back then, but I imagine still pretty pretty small town? It was, yeah, very small. He, he Originally, he lived in the sheriff's jail in the Mm. quarters there i don't ever remember spending the night in the jail but i do remember going over to the jail and he had an office over there and then he at some point in time bought a house it was right next to rod and gun club and it it would have been across the street from where the jail was the jail's not there anymore like it was right so uh anyway uh we would, I would stay there. I, there was a screen porch, and that's where generally I always slept was on the screen porch on a <laughs> blanket or one of them airbags, <laughs> you know. But uh, he, it was just a small house. He had a little office in there and uh, had his guns in there and his collections of many things. Ain't Helen and him both collected all kinds of stuff. Uh, he was a country music fan. He, he uh, went to... Uh, Grand Ole Opry several yeah. times, which had to be a trip back in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. But uh, I still have his gun case. Really? Yeah. So I'm kind of a collector, pack right holder, yeah. <laughs> which has turned out to be really good because I'm loaning all this stuff to the sheriff's office for the mobile museum. That's right, for our centennial. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, eventually we're giving it all, donating it all oh. to him. That's fantastic. Growing up, Don got to hear all about his uncle's law enforcement career, and Sheriff Atkins had plenty of stories to share. 
before becoming sheriff. He was a deputy for 16 years, starting in 1937, and was chief deputy for Sheriff Lewis Thorpe. When Thorpe died in office in 1953, Governor Daniel McCarty appointed Atkins to sheriff. There, there are some stories in the, like the old True Detective magazines and mm-hmm. stuff. And from my mother saved all those magazines, and they have copies of it. And uh, there's about four stories where Uncle Roy worked uh, solving these cases. Wow. As the chief deputy, and it was a murder, and they dropped the body in the canals on on Tamiami Trail, and then he worked with the FBI. And there's a letter from the FBI thanking him for his uh, professionalism and stuff. I called him the. He was more of a meat and potatoes cop. <laughs> he was the guy that went out and did the, you know, right. had to confront the people. The moonshine deal is, he started after. Prohibition ended, but the moonshine didn't stop, and it's still going on today in other forms of, yeah. of abuse, I guess. But uh, he confiscated and destroyed uh, a lot of moonshine. Yeah, and there's a video of him dumping moonshine into the <laughs> ditch uh, or the gutter down there at Everglades, and uh, we were laughing about wonder what the bullet were doing after that. Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. River. Absolutely. <laughs> he told me one story. Uh, he was going to Mockley is all I knew. I don't know how far he was. Uh, who he presumed was a bootlegger. They ran him into the canal. And you got to, there was no guardrails on the canals. Back this then. was they ran the uh, sheriff's car. Sheriff's car yeah. into the canal with Uncle Roy in it. And uh, he, it submerged. Whoa. Sunk. And it had a bubble of air in it, he said. And he just stayed down below because he could see him with flashlights trying to figure out if they had killed him or not. Wow. And so after he uh, stayed there for some length of time and he didn't see the lights anymore, he rolled out in the window and swam out and then walked either to Immokalee or back to Everglades. I don't know which wow. was the closest. And uh, uh, as far as I know, they never caught him or not, mm-hmm. nothing like that. But I mean, you know... The policing in that era was a whole different setup, you know, and and you had to be a tough guy yeah. that uh, did it. Um, another story of my other uncle, Kurt, at, uh, Kurt Smith, he came to Everglades City in 1931 to work for Baron Collier. Wow. And uh, which he did for a while. And uh, but then he got a job at a, a Cypress Sawmill counting. They called it counting lumber. He was getting off work. He had a car. He was near Immokalee or at Immokalee. And uh, Roy or someone from the sheriff's office said, you need to go by. We need you to bring four prisoners back to Everglades City to put them in the jail. And and Uncle Kurt told him, he said, I don't, uh, I'm not a deputy sheriff. And they said, well, no problem. That will swear you in temporarily. <laughs> so they made him a temporary deputy. And he said, well, I don't have a gun. And they gave him a gun. And he proceeded to bring him back to Everglades City. And I, and he said, you know, boy, he said, I must have been crazy. He said, to be riding with four convicts with a gun under my leg, you know. 
and driving <laughs> it 40 miles back to uh, everybody's wow. city. So when he got back there, he gave him the gun back and, and said, I'm not a deputy anymore, and don't ever ask me <laughs> to do this again. Because Kurt didn't, he wasn't that kind of guy. You know, wow. he, he didn't need that kind of experience. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was that was one. Another time, Uncle Roy, uh, my other uncle, and that's the advantage of having eight kids in the family, mm. uh, he was a car salesman in Avon Park and uh, for Wells Motor Company. And... They sold Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodges, and DeSotos. When DeSoto in 55, 54 came out with a, like a, um, uh, a real hot car. It was a, I can't think of the name. They use them in dragsters all the time. But anyway, it was, it was, um, they bought it. He bought a, the sheriff's office bought the sheriff's car. It was a DeSoto and there's pictures of it online and stuff. But he, when he picked it up, he, he asked, me and my sister, he said, y'all ever been 100 miles an hour? And we said, no. I mean, we're 10 years old. <laughs> and he said, well, hop in. So we went, we took a ride to Wachula on the highway. And he said, well, we went 100 miles an hour. <laughs> which, uh, which, which road is that? Where, where were you guys driving at? It was from Avon Park to Wachula, Highway 64. Okay. Was the road, like, steady Just, enough, safe enough to be riding 100 miles an hour? <laughs> It was fun. Yeah, that's all that counts, right? <laughs> Got me in the speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was just a two-lane road. Wow. You know, out in cow pastures. Yeah. You know that Wachula's all cattle country. Yeah. You know. Well, your, your uncle Roy sounds like a obviously a great cop, but a good person. Sounds like everyone seemed to one of those guys that everyone in town knew, and he genuinely cared about them and cared about protecting them, and, and everyone seemed to like him as well. Does that sound oh, like that, a good description? That, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I, I even think, you know, he helped some of the criminals or people that committed whatever crime, um, helped them out, you know, to maybe see the light or go a different way. Yeah, he, he was he was, he was was a caring person, and, and uh, he he was big enough. He walked the talk, or talked the walk, and mm-hmm. whatever that saying is, yeah. <laughs> walked the walk, and he, uh, and he didn't abuse it, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Tell me about your time in Everglades City, because I understand you worked um, at, a, at an old cafe. What, No Choppy? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was the uh, Ochoppy Trading Post, which Aunt Helen decided to set up. I don't know what what was the started it, other than she liked they they were all entrepreneurs, sellers, you know, the Atkins family. So uh, she was selling Indian stuff. Deaconess Bedwell had. A lot of the ladies, the Seminoles, making the jackets and the aprons. Aprons were a big seller, hmm. you know. Uh, and then uh, the dresses. Most of the women would just buy the dresses for whatever, but the aprons were the big seller. I worked at the store selling. He was famous for his foot-long hot dogs. Hmm. And uh, so I'd sell hot dogs and sell some of that other stuff, uh, trinkets, and uh, there was always something to sell, you know, and and talking, which I yeah. do best. <laughs> so, <laughs> this was on right off 41 there? Yeah, it was on Tamami Trail, uh, just in Ochoppy, near the uh, the world's smallest post office, because yep. the post office was actually in the trading post at that time. Wow. And then uh, one year it caught on fire and burned to the ground. They couldn't get water to it. And it burned up uh, a lot of stuff. 
so then after Uncle Roy died, Aunt Helen continued living in Car- in Everglades City, running the trading post till it burned down. The trading post also had a lounge with a bar that was a favorite hangout among locals. However, a few famous visitors stopped by when Everglades City became the set of a major motion picture. One day he, uh, and this is in 55, when they were filming the wind across the Everglades, mm-hmm. and I was in the other part. I didn't go into the bar much. And uh, anyway, he come in and he said, you got to come in here and meet somebody. And sitting at the bar was Burl Ives. Yeah. And uh, so I got his autograph. Yeah. And at the wind across the Everglades, they had a big party at uh, Rod and Gun Club, mm-hmm. which was right across the street from their house. And anyway, he came and got me, and he gave me a little cypress canoe, and he said, we're going to go over there. They're having a party over there. And uh, so he took us in. He set me on the last bar stool, and I had my picture taken on it yesterday. Oh, neat. And right against the wall, he said, just sit there, get your autographs. They'll be coming in here to get their cocktails, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sure. So Burr Lives and Gypsy Rose Lee and... and uh, Emmett Kelly, the clown, mm-hmm, was yeah. in that, and uh, and uh, Plummer, Christopher, yeah, Christopher Plummer. Plummer. Yeah. This was the the movie that was a pretty big deal, right? That the, that they filmed right there in the Everglades. I think it came out like fifty seven, fifty eight, something like that. But um, so you got to meet all those people that yeah, were in this movie. Yeah, yeah I was. Uh, you know, that's the sheriff's boy over there. You know, right now. <laughs> <laughs> they had a awesome party. It looked like to me. <laughs> <laughs> Although Everglades City was a tiny town tucked away in the wilderness, young Don had a few celebrity encounters, including with one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived. Ted Williams was a big fisherman. Okay. And uh, he uh, he was a baseball player, you know, all-time hitter and all that. And their spring training was, I think, in Fort Myers or someplace up in central Florida. And... Uh, but he liked to fish, so he came down and he fished. I've got pictures of him fishing in the canal across from the trading post. Really? Yeah, and uh, he, in the 70s, he had a fishing line, uh, you know, sold lures and rods, and he sold guns hmm. uh, with his name on them, through Sears and Roebuck mainly. But uh, he, he liked to party, and uh, he, uh, he was... Uh, he liked to smoke cigars, evidently, because I got a picture of Uncle Roy and him smoking a cigar, and there's <laughs> both got a big smile on their face and all that. So we got, I got curious, well, why would they be doing that, you know? And there's articles in the newspapers where you can read, uh, Ted Williams had barbecue dinner with Sheriff Roy O. Atkins and, and the Fort Myers paper or the Naples paper or whatever. And uh, so he was always around partying with them. Mm. And uh, so I wrote, I found out where Ted Williams had retired to, which was Spring Hill, Florida. And he was still alive, obviously. He had a personal secretary. And so I wrote him and I said, here's the copy of the picture. Uh, What were they celebrating? So she wrote me back on his letterhead. He had a corporation called the, the Number Nine LLC or Number Nine, anyway. And uh, said, Mr. Williams says, from the best of his recollection, it was to celebrate the birth of one of his daughters, but he don't remember which one. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, I'm interested in just your overall thoughts um, or kind of feelings about just your, your overall time in, in Everglades City. You know, what, what do you appreciate most or what do you like most about spending summers down here, uh, you know, in sleepy southwest Florida in, in the 50s? Yeah, it it's the uh, oh yeah it's it's just the the small town town atmosphere, you know. And as I got older, you know, you're a teenager, and I remember that there was a lot of girls there. It seemed mm-hmm. like there was. <laughs> so uh, one of the big things was we'd go out to the airport, and there was a tower out there. You could climb up this tower where <laughs> the rotating light was, and you could sit on the tower with the girls and, and look at the lights of Miami. That was the big, wow. that was the, but it was just there a lot of mosquitoes and yeah. the water stuck terrible back then. <laughs> there wasn't any uh, reverse osmosis or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always were happy to get back to Avon Park to drink the water because it was pure. And uh, one year I built a kayak in high school industrial arts classes, which there is no such thing anymore. Uh, where you actually work with your hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I built this 10-foot kayak out of canvas and wood, and I used to paddle it over to Chukalusky, mm-hmm. uh, which my mother never knew I was going over there. <laughs> of course, you didn't have a life preserver. Yep. You, you could swim around the world if you wanted to when you're that age. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd go over to a small wood store and... Mm-hmm. Uh, paddle over there and then paddle back catching snook in the river right there in front of his house yeah i mean it was it was it was just a good all-american little city yeah i mean they had their issues and like everybody does but uh it was just a good time it was a good time to be raised and born actually Thank you to Don Laycock and his wife, Judy, who joined us for our interview. Sworn Statement is a production by the Collier County Sheriff's Office under the direction of Sheriff Kevin Rambosk. This episode was written and produced by me, Adam Fisher, with audio recording and editing by Brian Barcello. Thanks for listening.